Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is sponsored by Pearson Instruments. That's Brad Pearson's luthier and guitar tech business based in South Van, Marpole. He has worked on all my instruments, my acoustic guitar, my electric bass, my upright bass. He should work on yours too because he's great with the turnaround. He's very affordable and he's a super nice guy. Awesome bass player too. If you ever get to hear him, go to pearsoninstruments.ca to learn more about Brad and what he does. That's pearsoninstruments.ca to get your string instruments sounding and feeling great. my friend he's like sitting next to me and he's kind of silent and i'm like what's going on and he looks at me and he goes this is the first of last before i move away this is the last time we'll be able to be in this group of people in our lives All right, all right. Well, our Jazz at the Vault coverage continues even here in March because our guest here also played at those festivities back in February. I think this is a great example of my favorite kind of episode where there's not necessarily an album release campaign that we're promoting. There's just a whole bunch of awesome people to talk about, friends to share stories about, and I'm really looking forward to bringing this conversation to you. So one of my favorite little local music conversations that I've had in recent memory, up next. guest today is a vocalist who recently performed at Jazz at the Vault and is performing again very, very soon at Frankie's on March 12th with what is currently her regular band of Dean Thiessen on piano, Winston Minkler on bass, and Seth Kitamura on drums. Very excited to learn more about what she's been playing with this band over the last couple of months. Another band called Winner Winner, other projects she might have, maybe some trip to Europe, maybe some stories from that. And this awesome crew of people that she's been surrounded with in our community. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Teresa Marie. Hey! <laughs> wow, I can't believe you remembered all that. I would have just like blanked out and been like, yeah, she's playing with her band. Uh, there's someone on the bass. <laughs> well, what I did whiff on was the day of the week because I always drop episodes on Wednesdays and if mm -hmm. I took my time to think about it, I could have realized that March 12th was a Sunday but mm. I did not think of that in the moment. So you <laughs> caught me on that. <laughs> That's okay. That, that, was, that was pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's cool that you can bring a band a bunch of, out a bunch of different times because you did your set at Jazz at the Vault with them. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, this year, I missed the entire Jazz at the Vault weekend because I really was trying to put together a gig in the Nimo, and that was the one weekend I could do it. So I left town all weekend. I didn't get to hear you. That's How was okay. it? It was so crazy. Turns out when you listen to like, you know, eight hours of music a day and when you're not listening to the eight hours of music, you are talking to people, catching up with people. It's like a whole endeavor. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I need like another weekend to like <laughs> relax from this weekend. But it was so much, so, so, so much fun. And there was like, yeah, oh my gosh, I watched Mark Turner with... Uh, with Mickey Yamanaka, Mickey, right? Yeah, yeah, Mickey Yamanaka, and that was like, like a tr like, what's the word? Transcendental. It was like I was like transcending. Wow. I was like, what <laughs> is happening? What did it sound like? Like that it was quartet, right? With Mark Turner leading on sax. Yeah. Okay, I've never heard Mark Turner before um, live. I mean, I don't think a lot of people have, and like, so quiet, so quiet, such huh. a quiet saxophone player, but so fantastic. Um, it was it was just very I'd say like very dense. Um but like Mickey has like 
so much joy and so much like I don't know when she was talking to the audience it was just like so much fun so much fun and like she was like t- like at one point she was like okay this is our last song uh have a nice life and then she just sat down and started playing and everyone was just like what <laughs> wait what <laughs> <laughs> um but that was yeah that was like super super cool um and like yeah Jesse Davis Seamus oh, Blake yeah. all the all the big cats were out there it was so much fun to just you know peek your head in and watch some fantastic new york players as well as like you know obviously fantastic canadian players as well i want i got um the john lee set so you were there for both days i was there for both days yeah um all day um john lee set was fantastic too oh my gosh really really cool and um who else did I see that was uh, I saw the Nightcrawlers and that was really cool. And obviously, uh, I tried my best to see all the Infidels people as well because you know want to support the other people that Tim's hired. Um, and that was so so magic. You know, Connor did his uh, cordless sax trio, um, and that was really really cool. Especially because um, I thought it was really cool because you know Connor's been out of town. It was Carl DeYoung and, and uh, Raph and and um obviously connor and all three of them have kind of been like kind of in and out of the scene like carl has been taking a bit of a break because he had some things going on with his arms for the drums and i I know he like dropped out of school for a bit um so it was cool to like and then like obviously raf um for those at home who don't know he has gone to mcgill and he's a fantastic bass player but a lot of people are like that raf guy i see him around but i I see his name around, but I'm like, who is he? Like, and I'm like, he's born in Vancouver. Like, he's born here. That's why he plays with all the young cats. But he went to school in McGill, and that's why, like, he's kind of like doing some gigs. But now, uh, he he's here for a while now. I think he's um he dropped out of McGill and he's hanging out in Vancouver. So it was really cool to see like these three young cats who, like, you know, kind of been in and out of the scene and like together at this big festival i was like that's kind of that's kind of special i think yeah i'm not gonna tell the whole story because there's some more personal elements to it but what i will say and i say this not to take credit but just because i witnessed tremendous growth here was i passed the upright bass into raf's hands for the first time whoa life you 2014 i think you blessed onto him (laughs) blessed unto him well he did all the work so all all i just happened to be in a place where i got to see him when he was in i don't know grade eight nine ten or whatever it was but then it's been so cool to be a fan of his over the ensuing years and going to mcgill and coming back i think very highly of him (laughs) he's the best and he's such a good good hang this is actually just going to be a fan club uh, about rap sure (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, and then um, and then there was uh, Alvin Brandon. He did his trio. The um, oh, they're so cool. I've never seen samples used like that before. With like Ben Millman and with Trent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you hear their Frankie's Late Show? We'll talk about the Frankie's Late Show in a second too. I'm sure. Have, did you go to that one? I didn't get a chance. Okay. To. Yeah. Well, that was that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was amazing. I was. That was my first time watching them, and it was. Um so so well done like so tight and like all of them 
like were like just looked stoked to be there which i feel like is the most important thing <laughs> yeah it, it is it sounds so sounds so simple but it's, it's easy to to lose sight of that because there's all these other things going on that we have to think about right mm-hmm. yeah and then um faven kadani did um her tribute to woody shaw but also a mix of um some of her tunes as well um it was really cool i don't know if you saw the pictures she brought out this like um big to sit on right pillow to sit on it was really really cool um and just like yeah that music was also like i think one of the highlights of my weekend as well like so so cool i love when i love when it gets a little bit i don't know a little bit hairy you know a little bit crazy uh, yeah. and i feel like they did that and it was um always such a joy to watch her and gordy play together and that whole band obviously ben um cole woodland um todd stewart gordy lee and obviously Faven. um but that yeah that whole band was freaking fantastic holy cow yeah and one of my highlights is that now with you here in new west i have finally completed the infidels at jazz at the vault challenge and nice. i have published at least one thing about all four of you about favorite connor alvin and yourself so nice there you go i finally finally got there you collected them all <laughs> i collected all, all four <laughs> yeah uh, and i i felt a little bad about connor because i did an article with him and it ended up being an awesome article that he shared and uh i got notifications that like his family members were sharing it Aww. and stuff so that was very cute but i talked to him for the the interview because even when i do a written article interview it's still just me transcribing like a, a zoom call that i have with somebody i just don't worry about the audio or anything because yeah. i know i'm just going to be pulling quotes but i talked to him like less than 48 hours after he got back and i was asking him stuff like oh uh do you feel like there's a lot more going on now than when you were back because everybody seems to be talking about how there's so much going on he's like i don't know man i've been <laughs> back for two days <laughs> but he's he was like, very good about it <laughs> he was like i i don't know where i am what's happening <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's super sweet i love that guy um but yeah that that whole weekend was very intense but like very rewarding absolutely so did it just so happen that if you think about that group of four band leaders including yourself and maybe if you think about shruti as well uh who I recorded with just before you and th and she's on the episode that comes that came out before your episode here um if you think about that group of people there there's different kind of entry points and different years at the cat program that you would have been but is that like is that a pretty decent cross-section of like who you went to school with and who you've oh, known over the last five years absolutely for sure. I yeah. mean, yeah, Faven was only the year below me, and we actually ended up graduating together. Shruti was in my year, but she graduated ahead of me because I stayed back a year. Um, same thing, Connor, I think I think graduated the same year I did. So yeah, four, four of us graduated together. Alvin graduated... A little maybe, bit before. Maybe same year as Shruti, actually. Yeah, COVID something like year. that. But COVID you're all year. quite... You all spent a lot of time, like at Absolutely. least one or two years of of seeing each other very often right oh of course yeah. yeah yeah we're all we all know each other i feel like quite well yeah yeah that's so true on on the whole your experience at cap you know you come out of it with all these friends pretty positive you know if you think about it i think a mixed bag oh for sure um definitely i am so so grateful the more 
people I meet from out of town that come into the the music scene here and they're like, I, I don't know who, where anyone, and I'm like, I'm so blessed to know, like, a variety of bass players, drummers, horn players, anyone, like, more than one person who I would be stoked to be on the bandstand with and would hire again, you know what I mean? Like, and that's only because I came from the community of CAP and I, um, and I met so many of them there and so many, and there are like a lot of like stand-up musicians at CAP. Um, so yeah, I feel like that is definitely a big, big pro is the community that's happening and more community that's happening because of like the renaissance of gigs that's happening right now as well. Seeing people you know and catching up and um, that's such a big part of building communities, going out and seeing shows, right? And like seeing people more than once and jamming and, you know. Yeah. And you think about like your current band, right? Like Dean and Winston and Seth, those would be people you would have met there too. Not necessarily. I didn't go to school with Winston or Dean, actually. They come from the same community, though. It's true. That's true, actually. (laughs) Um how did I actually start talking to Dean and Winston? I talk about, I joke with Seth about this all the time. I actually said this on the, on the infidel stage. I was like, Winston and Dean, they're not up and coming. That says it on the thing. They're not up and coming. They're pro musicians. Um, but Seth, he's still on the up. He's still on the up, you know, (laughs) it's me and him. Um, but I, I kind of love that my band is a bit of a mix of like, you know, Seth is one of my dear friends and, um, I've played with him as a drummer more than I've, I dare say, more than I've played with any other drummer in this town. And um, I think it's kind of cool. It's like, you know, it's a mix of like young cats. Not that the other two are old. They're not old. But <laughs> they're two young cats from Cap and then these two like, you know, older pros that um, are super sweet and amazing. Um but yeah, you're right. I did I did kind of meet them because they're in the in the cap community. I met Winston doing a gig at not a gig, sorry, a jam at his um he has a little studio thing and Todd was like, "Do you want to jam with Winston Minkler?" and I was like, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I guess." And we had this little jam and then kind of became friends through that. Um with Dean, I think I've just, yeah, I think I've just seen him at shows around and listened to him once. And I was like, you are, wow, that his piano playing is so, so tasteful and so beautiful. And I was like, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> Give me that on my bandstand. <laughs> <laughs> That's somebody who, who was there when I was up at Cop. I wasn't mm-hmm. there very long. I was there for a year myself, but definitely you're talking about taking friends away from it. Like that's, that's what I took away from it for sure. Even Uh from just kind of the one formal year, but it's all the people who I met along the way and the people who I already knew, but who I came in there and then I got to spend so much more time around and gets no better. Like Mm -hmm. even not just meeting cold new people, but just the opportunity to spend all that time together was even in the one year for me was so huge and it still lasts to this day, 10 years later. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I got out of it for sure. It sounds like you too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my best friend, um for those at home who don't know my best friend's ben millman we Mm -hmm. live together we met at cab and we met oh my gosh he was one of the only people i knew who lived in vancouver i didn't drive 
and he drove and I was like I am begging you sir I was like I was like we're going the same way like I can meet you in Carisdale will you please give me a ride to cap on those mornings that we have 8 a.m your training yeah and he was like you know good guy he is he's like absolutely and the first time I get in his car we get stuck in some of the worst traffic I've ever seen for an hour and I'm stuck in an for an hour in this car with this basic stranger like like well obviously we're in the same program but you know and um something changed in that car from then on huh. we became like we realized like how dope the other person was and we became absolute best friends and um yeah that and that was in first year so we've been friends for a while now yeah and you were really young at the time too, so you met somebody like that at a at a younger age. That's that's huge. That's really fortunate. We were yeah, yeah we must have been eighteen. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's something I've I've told a few times when I've talked about why the program didn't work for me was like if I waited another couple of years, I think I would have managed it better. But I showed I up when so I was too. seventeen and it just didn't work. I completely agree with that. I was the same i was like 17 when i entered the pro or i must have been something like that something like that 17 18 you, you're like a, basically a child and you enter this program and you know you go through all the classes and you pass them but you don't get anything out of them because you're like you know you're dumb and you're 18 and you're focusing on i don't know other things and you know i was like super mentally like not there too and um I definitely wish I took a, a gap year as well. Mm -hmm. To all those homies listening, think of going to CAP and you want to take a gap year. Consider it, hey. Consider it. It's, you know, take a year to just go to jams and take private lessons. And You're not going to be at a disadvantage for having taken that year, right? No. And like, you know, I feel like if you took a year to just listen to jazz like and discover what you like i feel like that would put you at so much more of an advantage as well and um ground yourself after high school that crazy whirlwind of high school <laughs> yeah so speaking of that speaking of crazy whirlwind of high school we talked about the people you got to know up at cap and the people that the program left you with and these are your bandmates now they were your peers at jazz at the bolt they're all the people who are in your life right now but something brought you there when you were around 18 and and put you in that car with Ben Millman and enticed <laughs> you to go there so yeah. what happened on the way there what brought you there what was your experience like before there and going into it um like in high school you mean like basically like what brought me to jazz kind of yeah um it's interesting actually I went to Point Grey Secondary do you know Brent Taylor? Some people do and some people yep. don't. Oh, cool. Yeah, he used to, uh, I think he used to either play or direct or both, but I crossed paths with him because, oh, here's here's my cap in the car story. Um, so one of my best friends is Madeline Elkins, who oh. you're playing with in your band called Winner Winner, which Love we'll talk her. about in several minutes, I'm sure. Uh, and I remember her driving me and us around when we were 17 and 18 and going to cap and we in first year and in, in my one year there and in the first of her years on route to graduation uh she and i had this 
situation that we ended up calling terrible tuesdays which started with the 8 30 class Ooh. i don't remember what it was i think it was a his the history yeah, class as opposed to the history yeah Oof. so so we were we were rolling out a new west at seven something right to, mm -hmm. to get to that class um and then we were on campus all day until not with solid classes like there's that lunch break that everybody would seem to have and and there were other things but we'd be on on campus until 4.30 or 5 would be each of us's last class, maybe 5. And then we would we would kind of pack up and get out of there by 5.30. And then we would come home to New West, uh, maybe if we had time to go to our family's homes and, and eat dinner or whatever. But then we had this New West community band at yes. 7 p.m. that rehearsed up in the band room of our high school here at New Westminster Secondary School on Tuesdays. And so then we wouldn't be done until like 9 p.m. Oh or, or something. And um, I met, well, and Brent's son went to high school with us. Yeah. But I met Brent Taylor through playing in that band. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> He's so good. Um, yeah. I um, I went to his high school or like the high school that he was teaching at. Yeah. Um, and at the time that I joined, I think they were going through like a bit of a music program renaissance, which was very cool. Um, they just had gotten, um, her name is Miss Bone now, Taylor, Taylor Bone, used to be okay. Taylor Collishaw. Um, and she basically took this choral program from like maybe one choir and turned it into like a senior choir, a junior choir, chamber choir, vocal jazz, uh, on timetable and off timetable Awesome for all those like different choirs and like expanded into like over like a hundred kids or something in that in that choral program it was really insane um and then we had brent taylor we had stephen fleming um both fantastic educators um and you know i was in the music program because i i like to sing it's nice i think yeah. <laughs> and, um, um i actually didn't really like singing wasn't always like i don't know at the forefront of my mind when i was in at that age I actually was really, uh, believe it or not, kids at home, I <laughs> was really into like the drama program at my school. I did a lot of improv, um, like improv acting and like um, did their like little theater program there. Um, and there came a point where I was like in grade 10 where I had to choose between the two programs and I could tell the teachers were like, which one is she going to choose? What's it going to be? Um, and I ended up kind of leaning towards music um it's just how it happened but I think it could have happened either way depending on what high school I went to right because we had such a strong jazz program at um Point Grey um and I played I put on my little trombone in in the in the A band and the B band and um and I remember one day Amber going up to me Amber sang and she was like hey you should join combo. It's so much fun. Like and like neither of us really knew what combo meant, but she was playing trumpet probably, right? She was playing trumpet and yeah, singing. And yeah. singing, yeah. Um You should join combo. It's super fun. You should do it. And I was like, okay. Yeah, sure. As long as I don't have to like solo or something, which is the whole point of combo, basically, yeah. <laughs> is to solo. Um, but I ended up doing it and I had a lot of fun and I did it for the next like couple years and that kind of pushed me to do more solo singing because at the time I was doing a lot of choir. Um, and then, yeah, and then, like, Brent, he, like, let me, he let me, like, 
sing with the big band, like a couple like vocal charts. And that was like a very life changing thing for me too. Cause like not every like 17 year old gets to sing with a big band. What like, were the songs? Um, I did Mac the Knife. Nice. Um, people at home do not look it up on the internet. Um, oh, it like is, the actual <laughs> performance is, is available somewhere it's, maybe. It's available <laughs> on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I did Mac the Knife and I did, ooh, what was the other one? This, uh, oh, The Man I Love. Oh, cool. Um, I think those were the two I did. Nice. Um, yeah, and like singing with a big band whoa what an experience so much fun um but that yeah that kind of was what was my introduction to jazz was that program um and being in the big band first of all that was what really got me into it it was big band music duke ellington and then kind of when we got into combo started listening to like oscar peterson um my first love and will always be my true love love oscar peterson so much um and yeah and then i and then found out that there was a program at cap and then i was like well might as well just try it out and i did and the rest well i i did the program so (laughs) i finished it (laughs) yeah yeah that's great yeah that's a and when you were in combo there uh at point gray were you still playing both trombone and vocals in that combo or did you go in as a singer into the combo situation and have your first kind of small group experience strictly as a singer i mostly did it as a singer nice i think sometimes i brought out the trombone but trombone's never been like trombone's something i prefer to play in a big band more than anything i like reading charts and i like i don't <laughs> i mean i mean i did pull it out at the lido a few months ago and that was really fun and i was like "Ooh, if i actually practice this instrument this could be really fun to jam on that's exactly where i was going with that (laughs) (laughs) you were like well you brought it out the lido what's up with that (laughs) um well yeah i um for those at home they had a jam at the lido and vocalists weren't allowed to jam not not because of tim tim loved vocalists it was uh something to do with the venue um but i was like well i want to jam because i don't want to like i feel like i'll be there and i'll just be like oh everyone's having so much fun jamming like if you just went with no instrument yeah yeah i think i'd just be a little bit bummed and i was like well i want to participate I have a trombone that I haven't touched in two years. Maybe now's the time to do a blues. Um, and then I did, and it was really fun. And I, um, you know, there's a certain joy, I think, about, you know, rolling up to a jam and having no expectation of, like, you know, this is an instrument that everyone knows, like, that I'm obviously not known for. Um so there was a little bit of joy in that, I think, for sure, of like, no expectation. I can play whatever I want. It could be bad and no one would be mad at me because nobody knows, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, this is a, a really good example of somebody, of you escaping some kind of pressure that maybe some people feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to say exactly where it comes from or what but the the feeling that you got to just by doing that it seems very chill in a really good way and something that you would want to search for even if you are playing just on your main instrument at a gig like some kind of 
relaxed feeling where you're getting away from some feeling that you might worry about sometimes where you might you might worry that you're not going to play well enough or that yeah. something's going to go wrong and yeah i don't know i just i thought that well that whole night the first annual infidels jam session at the lido to benefit the vancouver food bank that was a great night but that that moment is a good example of of escaping some kind of bad pressure you know absolutely i would completely agree like um you know all of us know what it's like i mean all of us musicians know what it's like to go up to a jam and you're like you're waiting for your turn and you're like fuck like <laughs> should i just take cross my name off the list like what do i do um but yeah like i was still nervous because there was a ton of people there but it was so busy and so like i feel like it was almost the perfect like jam situation because it's like people are talking they're like they're listening it's a listening room but they're not like there's still people talking and there's still like background noise. So you don't feel as much pressure on yourself to perform because you're just, you're just playing instruments together and everyone, you know, someone else's turn will be next in like 10 yeah. minutes. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, that was cool. I, I definitely am, I have been thinking about like maybe going to more jams with the, with the old trombone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that, that was, that was cool to see. And you played your own gig at the Lido. It was a little bit ago now, like it was last, this past spring when that series was just getting going. I think you were one of the first people to do it. And you didn't have your exact quartet that you're rolling out now at Frankie's and that you played with at Jazz of the Bolt. Like I think you had Matt Franceschini on guitar and Colin Zacharias on the bass, right? And then who else? And Seth on the drums. And Seth still on the drums. Okay, but nice, yeah. That actually ended up not happening. Um, oh, really? Because it was, yeah, because it was during the... It was actually the Lido and then shortly after my grad recital and I got COVID. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Really last minute, like the day before I got COVID and then the the show still went on. That's probably why you think it still okay. went on is because it they just did trio instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you were going to play with them and that was probably really like, you know, you're talking about you were doing your grad recital at the same yeah. time. That was really an example of who you had been playing with at CAP, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Matt Francini and um, Colin Zacharias, um, two of my closest friends that I met at CAP, we kind of have like a... You've talked to Matt before. Yes. Yeah, he hasn't been on the show, but I've I've heard him a couple times. Uh, yeah. Oh, no way. I totally yeah. thought he'd been on He must have been on it. That guy's everywhere. We got to um, pull it out of your memory and like just download it onto the show. Like ChatGPT will write up a version yeah. of, of my episode with Matt. Yeah, it definitely happened. Um, just like your show at the Lido. Yeah, just like my show at the Lido. It definitely <laughs> happened. I Yeah, I was bummed because um, that probably would have been the only vocal um, performance there that would have happened. So, yeah, I got really sick and I, I couldn't do it sad but yeah matt and colin um that was gonna be one i can't remember the last time you played did. with them or actually one of the last times we did a gig was um we have this little quintet it's called um we're calling it mountain highway and it's um we're actually releasing an ep we're planning on releasing an EP in May. I think it's going to happen. But we basically, oh, wow. um, we recorded three EPs of all original music um, in my friend Jay. Um, um, some people might know him as Justice. He goes by Jay but now, but it's like same, same. Um, but my friend Jay, we recorded it in his 
um, in his garage in, in Parksville, like in his mom's in his mom's garage in Parksville. Um, and we recorded it over the course of a week, three EPs, because there's too much music for one album. So we had to split it up into three EPs. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to hear this when the time is right. That's I love this. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It's um, so it's myself, Matt Francesini, Franceschini. Shit, I always mess it up. But anyways, sorry, Matt, if you're listening to this, uh, Colin Zacharias, uh, Jay Cote, and Julian Burkowski. Um all some of my dearest friends from CAP um, and definitely lifelong friends as well. We, yeah, we, it kind of started off as like a combo thing. You know, it's like, ooh, we get all our friends together in a combo. And then it turned into like some serious music making. Um, And a lot of like collaborative, um, a lot of collaboration uh, on music that we've written. And everyone has written all Every single one of us has at least one song on there that yeah. we've written, um, if not have collaborated on. So there's like a composition that is credited to you and you brought it in and there's like one to Julian and he brought it in, et cetera, kind of thing, right? Yeah. There's, I think there's more that, Ju- uh, I think the th- it's mostly from Jay, Colin, and Julian. No, I think it's Jay, Julian and Matt that have written the most um, composition across like everything you recorded, kind of thing. Yeah, across yeah. everything we've recorded. Um, but yeah, we have like three EPs. They're all like kind of themed, um, and it's it's gonna be really cool. I think it's it's gonna be a sound that I don't think anyone in the city has ever heard me do before. Um, so that's really exciting. Very not straight ahead. <laughs> nice and. So you've thought a little bit about how you want to deploy that. Does that mean you're going to eventually be releasing all that stuff and you've just identified like the first chapter to come out as like the first EP at some point, maybe like this spring or whenever it ends up being, and then the other two would come later? Yeah, I think we, um, what I was pitching was, well, because we're all in different cities now, right? Yeah. Julian's in Eugene, Oregon, and um, the other three are in Montreal. And we tried to line it up this summer, but uh, it just wasn't working, the dates. And we were like, that's fine. Like, we'll just release our EP. Cool. And then we're hoping that we'll release the last EP in the winter and hopefully maybe line up a show in Vancouver for that. I think would be really, really fun. Um, but yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, because you, you want to make the most of of the the release attention at some point i guess because you think about i don't know i'm like i spend every week nerding out about this stuff for a living because mm-hmm. I, I have my day job and i have to think about it with my artist stuff so i i personally i've i always really enjoy geeking out about the release timelines and the rollouts and the promotion and lining it up with shows and things like that i know not everybody enjoys that like when where are you on that spectrum when you think about that part of the equation right which isn't necessarily something that you do at CAF or that you learn about at school but when you want to put out music you kind of have to decide how you feel about it right you're like oh I just want to get it out there and see what happens and enjoy it and or you could like think more about it like do you enjoy thinking about that stuff or is it kind of something you could do without I think I like thinking about it but at the same time I think the fact that we're all in different cities and it's like and it's not just like oh it's me doing a duo album and we're in different cities so we can like you know I could fly over it's like five different people's schedules 
we have to work around and um just because of that aspect of like well we can't really line up a show and i just found out like the other day that we can't there's no way we can line up a show in vancouver at least um it's kind of taken away that like well if we promote it and stuff we can't really hype it up with like a show or like a album drop album release show or something which is really cool i love i love the aspect of like album release shows i think that's so much fun um but yeah i haven't super gotten into into that because i mean as you you probably have noticed i don't really have anything out so yeah because i was gonna say well there's also like the online side you could think about like in Mm -hmm. terms of which platforms you're putting it out on how much you care about each of those platforms how you feel about them like that could be something that stresses some people out or it could be something that they kind of get excited about and interested in right um matt is like the most organized person i've ever met in my life and he just was immediately like yeah uh we'll just do it on we'll do it on here 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 and here and well um yeah and then we're done and i'm like oh thank god (laughs) thank god matt has his stuff figured out i didn't really have to think much about it and that was good for you you were happy about that i was happy about that um but also like you know matt is such an independent and hardworking individual and he's already got an album out and um, I'm very grateful for his knowledge and expertise on um, all of that stuff because I feel like, and he also recorded the whole thing, the EP and he recorded and he's mixing it and he's mastering it. Um, So I am Matt Francini. I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. If you're listening to this, I love you and I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool to hear him play duo guitar with Ollie Gannon too. Oh my gosh, gig. so much fun! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm now I'm just trying to keep track of all all your projects, right? Because you've got your <laughs> quartet. You you had the the band that was to play at the Lido, and then which turned into this thing that you recorded, and and then you have winner winner with the the show that also got rescheduled, right? And that yeah. you end up doing in the month of February, 2023 at, at Presentation House. And that's a different kind of repertoire. Who you've got in there, you've got you've got Madeline on guitar, who we mentioned earlier, you've got Sydney Tuff on bass. Who else is in that band? Uh, Tess Meckling yeah. on, um, on piano. And um, we've got Kate Johnson on yeah. drums. Nice. What a fun group. I love that group. I go into those rehearsals and I feel like, you know, end of a long day and I come out of those rehearsals feeling so good um just like such a such a wonderful group of talented humble and kind individuals um that i find so wonderful to be around um but yeah we're basically i honestly just wanted to do a show that was like a tribute to women in music i thought that would be really cool then tim suddenly was like I'm doing this show, I'm doing this series, exp- the expression sessions, uh, where you can do whatever you want. At Presentation at House. At Presentation yeah. House. And I was like, careful what you wish for. And then <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm doing this like, this kind of just like this poppy, uh, this poppy night at Presentation House, which has not been done very often, I don't think. Um, but it's going to be a ton of fun. We're doing, um, we're ca- we're trying to span like, well, I'm the band leader, so I've tried to span uh, a bunch of different genres and a bunch of different artists, new and old. And um, so we're doing like 
Shania Twain. We're doing um, Fiona Apple. We're doing Fiona oh, yeah. Apple tune. We're doing um, a Phoebe Bridgers tune, but we're also doing like, um, oh, like a Dolly Parton one. Um, so it's kind of a singer-songwriter through line, but it, you got a bunch of different sounds that you're kind of collecting and yeah. putting into your arrangements. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And um, yeah, and there, there's like a couple arrangements, but it's nothing too crazy. It's just us like celebrating women in music and having fun and um, the joy, uh, the joy in that. And um, I wanted to have an all female group because I just don't see that a ton in Vancouver. I see that's actually quite, I've been noticing that quite a bit in the indie scene. There's a, uh, there's a couple of cool looking um, all female groups or all female identifying. And obviously, oh my gosh, obviously the leading ladies um, and the sister jazz, but um, there's not, there's not like a ton of like, just like casually female identifying groups. And I, I just thought it'd be cool. And I was like, well, there's all these wonderful women that I want to work with. Why not do a, a little quintet of um, us all having the time of our lives? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to jinx it because we still got to produce these episodes. I work on another podcast called Pacific Sound Radio that deals in the indie rock scene and stuff as opposed to jazz. And I'm not the host, but I, I co-produce the show with my friend who is the host. And uh, two of our upcoming episodes, uh, one of which should be recorded and and done by the time this episode comes out is with the band Babe Corner. And another <gasps> one's with another yeah. band called Wrong, R-O-N-G. And those are both... Um, those are both groups that you might have been thinking of, but were yeah. there others that that came to came to your mind when you when you mentioned like all female groups? Yeah, I think, um, Babe Corner was one. There was Club Sofa, but they haven't done a ton of stuff lately. Yes. they're super cool. Um, I think the biggest one I was thinking of was Babe Corner, and there's also um, ooh, it, it's one of those UBC bands, and I can't remember the name anymore. Um. Like a group of people who met at UBC? Yeah, there's like a bit of a, I've realized that there's a little bit of a music community at, up at UBC. It's it's just, um, and so like, it's usually people like just made up from of UBC students and they have like a whole, like kind of like indie band culture that, and they all know each other and they all play together. Um, that's just something I've noticed from the outside looking in, but I know there's, I know there's one that's, um, oh, I think it's Cat TV. Yeah, they're a all female band. I'm from what I've seen. Um, yeah, I, was, uh, I think that's it. But there's some that you can identify and look towards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you're doing this thing. Yeah, that's good. And I think I think that's really cool. It's very empowering, and it's um, not to hate on my my male friends out there. I have so many wonderful, <laughs> so many wonderful man friends, but. Um, it is a different energy in that rehearsal space. It's a different energy and it's a, I've, it's so easy to feel like comfortable and safe and accepted and like any sort of critique is like a genuine, like a genuine want for like you to do better. It's never coded. It's never, you know, um, that's what I've found in the, those rehearsals that we've had. And it's been like just so easy, um, which I love. 
um yeah i think it's i think it's gonna be really cool and um hopefully that band turns into like some original compositions i want to try to do like kind of like guilt and co stuff with that and um other like kind of like poppy venues i think would be so much fun um yeah that's what i was gonna say is like after the the presentation i'll show like where you take that is Mm -hmm. you would take it out to some of those other kind of venues from that indie scene probably right Mm -hmm. absolutely and like yeah prez house i know is not like a pop venue but like um i thought it would be cool i thought it'd be fun to do like you know it's like brand new band why not let's just do a let's do a show at prez house and and hang out and have fun and um drink some tea and cookies <laughs> yeah <laughs> eat some cookies um but yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping this band will turn into fingers crossed but I, i'm hoping that this band will turn into some like cool fun summer gigs and um maybe some original music as well we'll get back to our conversation with Teresa in just a second but first i want to tell you about the subscriber drive i'm doing at rhythm changes that's with the update subscription where subscribers get exclusive writing from me on fridays and support the whole operation here really make it possible i'm giving you a 25% off discount if you go to rhythmchanges.ca/update i'm on a mission to welcome 50 new subscribers as we get into the spring of 2023 here so go to rhythmchanges.ca/update and become a subscriber to the update today that's rhythmchanges.ca/update so you've got a couple of these projects that you've been hitting that you're going to be rolling with going forward because you've been playing with the quartet you're playing with winner winner Mm -hmm. um the summer you'll have an opportunity to get out there a bit more i know you've also played like duo gigs with ben millman in the past right and you've done that kind of thing too is that something you did more when you were coming up are you still doing that yeah, I've been doing a ton of duo gigs actually. Um, especially when I was playing a lot at the Christmas market. That's a lot right. of like duo vibes. Uh I've been playing a lot with like Ben Millman, Patrick Cow, uh Chris Fraser. Um I did one with uh Maddie Elkins, um, all fantastic musicians. Um I actually have a duo gig um this week, Valentine's Day, with um with Chris Fraser and that'll be really fun. Um nice. And I'm actually doing a so far gig, which is kind of fun. You've done with, it before? Yeah, I have. I did. Oh, nice. I actually subbed out really last minute for Shruti. And I was really panicked because I know so far is like kind of like a singer songwriter vibe. So I was like, well, I don't have anything I'm comfortable like, you know, sharing yet. Right. So what I turned it into was kind of a jazz 101 lesson for the audience. And oh. it went really well. So what did that entail? What did you do? I I was just like I got up there and I was like, "Okay, guys, I'm gonna be real with you. Who here listens to jazz?" And like, like maybe like couple hands. Yeah, a couple of people were like, "Woo, yeah!" And I was like, "Okay, we're gonna play some jazz for you tonight. We're gonna do what we call a jazz standard. Does anyone know what a jazz standard is? It's like silent, obviously." Uh, and I go, "It's like doing a cover." You know, you do a cover of Valerie. It's like that, but the song's really old and we just, everyone does it. And and it's all these really old songs. Um, and I was like, I'm going to do this thing where I go do ba do be ba da. And that's me <laughs> improvising on the spot. Okay. It's not just like, you know, made up shit that I'm doing. Um, yeah. And they really liked it. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, which was cool. It's um, something I've been talking about recently is, you know, the accessibility of jazz, right? Um, I think that jazz music can be a little bit intimidating for people who don't have never listened to it before. They don't know where to go. Um, and I think, you know, why not? Why not do a little jazz 101 for so far and like, um, and teach people like that it's not that scary and that there's so much more to it than just this like noise, right? Because there's so many subgenres and there's so many nuances and there's different albums. Like everyone thinks that I feel like so many outsiders think that jazz is one thing and it's this big scary thing with saxophones oh yeah (laughs) fair enough (laughs) uh saxophones are pretty scary um but like it makes me it does make me sad when i hear people say like no i don't like jazz it's too dense or it's too whatever i'm like there are 20 albums i could list for you right now that are not that it's just that you have this preconceived notion that like jazz is this untouchable thing when it's not it's a joyful thing and it's um it's something that can be incredibly accessible if you have the right person to show you what it is and to like bring you know there are shows here that you could go to that if you thought that jazz was intimidating in the abstract that you went to those shows and you would have a lot of fun and and it would be really entertaining and and you wouldn't know it unless you had somebody to pick them out kind of for you right guys go to the dusty cabaret tuesdays that swing dancing hits hard you know what i mean it's uh it's so much fun it's so much fun and it's like like people don't know that stuff goes on like that here and well and that's why we're so grateful for things like the gig list right it's like a place i've pointed so many people to that thank you to the rhythm changes gig list because it's like they're like i don't know where to go vancouver jazz i'm like Look at this gig list. There's everything on there. Everything. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's and it's funny how we got to pick it up basically as soon as possible after New Dadoon was doing it on the long-running VancouverJazz.com website that mm-hmm. kept doing it while I was at CAP, etc. And we just kind of put it up in our own style and kind of got his endorsement of like, okay, you're doing it now. Great. I'm really happy that you're doing it now because somebody's doing it and nice. I, I can't do it anymore. So that that was a nice little transition and I'm the first and best user of it as well. I, I appreciate that it exists. So <laughs> I try to make sure it's, it's helpful to some uh, people. I actually had m- my little story on that, on, on bringing people out via the gig list was uh, I played my talking about album release shows. I played one at the Frankie's late show uh, in November, uh, with my trio, and I had, I had somebody come to that show, who I hadn't seen in literally half my lifetime. Who I hadn't seen in fifteen years, uh, because when we were teenagers, I used to go to his basement with my bass and my amp and my like construction earmuffs and jam metal music with with him and and his other friends, oh, nice. uh, and. And he, yeah, we had not been in touch whatsoever since then. But he, and he's not even a metal guitarist now. I don't know what he was, what he's gotten into in his day job or whatever. But he said that in his musical life now, he's more of like a, a producer of like EDM or dance music. But 
Uh, so he changed genres and cut his long metal hair and, and stuff. But uh, <laughs> he, he said that he and his friend were like maybe a little bit high and in town already and had just eaten. They wanted to go see some music and they decided that they wanted to go see jazz. And so then they, they Googled that and then they found the page. And then he recognized my name from 15 years ago and he showed up to my Frankie's gig. Oh my gosh. And, and it, I wouldn't have known unless he introduced himself to me. But that was wild. Like I was, I was wow. not expecting that. <laughs> I love that. I love the little Vancouver small town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Vancouver's not a small town, but it kind of is a little bit of like, you're, you never know. You're going to run into someone from elementary school, like downtown and you're like, what is oh, happening? Yeah. Um, but I love that. That is so great. <laughs> because you brought up uh, the gig list, I would be remiss if I didn't ask because I don't often get a chance to like air feedback about it and then be able to learn from it. But it's like I've been trying to learn from it as quickly as I could, especially in the first couple months when it was just starting. And like we were trying to learn how to put together Rory Hislop and getting the info from the venues and what he was doing and what I was doing and like as a user of it like is there anything that you think could improve about it or is there some other kind of similar thing that needs to be done because like to be honest i've kind of in that arena things i've had my blinders on of like looking at the list and figuring out how to get it done every month mm -hmm. and maybe i'm missing the chance to like do something else that would be helpful so any any feedback or reactions you have to it at all i'm I always appreciate it, but if you got them right now, it'd be super, super cool. I, not at the moment. I loved when you introduced the the when you were crossing the stuff out because that wasn't yeah. always hap that wasn't that's the right thing in the beginning. Um, I loved that, and I love. I actually do like that you leave the old gigs up because, mm -hmm. um, I think I mentioned to you this. I DM this to you on Instagram, like. I, I do like seeing the gigs I miss because I'm like, oh, shit, I, I missed such a good gig. I exactly. better like And then you keep an eye out, right, for that group. Oh, I didn't know that group was even a thing. Um, or I didn't even know that, like, they were doing music at this venue. Um, so I think it's I think it's great. So there's so a far. couple of reasons why I do that. One of them is just on the boring technical side. The longer the page is and the more names it contains, the better it, it shows up in search results. Mm. Um, and so I can keep the page the maximum length by just keeping all the gigs up there for mm -hmm. the entire month. The other reason is it's because whenever I've covered somebody, I link through to my coverage of them off the list. So like oh. after this episode is live, every time your name is on the list, it will link to this podcast episode. No so way. that if somebody cool. sees your name on the list and they don't know who you are, for some reason they want to click on that link, they will find this whole conversation kind of thing. And that's the case for not just the podcast, but all the articles like Connor, after I did article about him in advance of Jazz at the Bolt, every time his name is on the list, it's linked through. And so I just kind of accumulate more content to link through under everybody's name for people who see somebody's name and they want to learn about them right and so if i leave the old gigs up then i'm leaving those links up as well so if they see the person's name then they can click on them and learn more oh that's sick that's a great i think that's a great reason to leave all those names up for sure so it's almost like i could just focus on the one thing of oh as long as i'm like increasing the number of link throughs i names i have i'm doing the right thing right yeah, like <laughs> over time it'll just It'll just grow. All the links, yeah. Yeah. And of course, I tell people who are younger than us, of course, um, but everybody I tell, like, you know, I think about what the amount of gigs was like 10 years ago. 
and there's so much more going on now than there was back then and i i definitely bring that up to people to kind of be to continue being excited about it they are but like especially like this is the most in my short relatively short number of years that i've ever seen happening like the most gigs at the most places and new things hap- getting started like multiple times a year there's new venues come new series coming online like that's whedon did not used to have that no way so yeah it's pretty special you know i feel like a lot of that obviously there's so many other promoters that are fantastic uh, especially like you know uh sharon minamoto starting that new thing at la fabrique which i haven't had a chance to go to yet um, but I've heard is a great venue. Um, but Tim Rayner, let's get the elephant out of the room. Tim <laughs> Rayner, the Renaissance king <laughs> of Vancouver jazz. You know, I actually, when Tim booked me for that Lido gig, he had, I don't think we had met in person. Mm-hmm. He had so much trust in me. And I think it's because that little Matt Francesini um, <laughs> put a little bug in his ear about me, which is very sweet. Um, I do want to say Matt Francesini has been one of the biggest reasons I gig. He was the f- person who c- called me for my first gig. He's the person who's pushed me to do gigs. Um, uh, he's been a, like a very like an incredible force in my life of like, um, you know, making me think I could do it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but he's the reason that, you know, Tim knew about me and I guess he had shown Tim some videos and Tim was like, do you want to do this gig at the Lido? And I was like, yeah, who are you? Just kidding. I knew who he was, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> so I guess you didn't show him the, the Mac the knife video from, <laughs> I didn't show him the Mac the knife video. <laughs> I should have, um, but yeah, um, you know, Tim has been like such a strong force in the jazz community as of as of late and um especially for young players, up and coming players, and um it is so cool to see the work that he's done in the city, um, for sure. And like they just started the new thing series again at Tyrant, like he's like Every time I talk to him, he's like, yeah, there's something in the works. I'm like, what is it? What else could possibly be in the... Go take a bath. Like, what could possibly be in the works? Like, you're crazy. He's, like, all over the place. And um, it's incredible. It's, 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 it's quite remarkable to watch this man just, like, rise from the ashes. And <laughs> all, these, all these different venues are popping up. And I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> but it's really cool, for sure. It, yeah it it was not something that that had been done before like we didn't have that kind of energy of there always being a new thing being started right like yeah. that's that's a new thing as far as i ever saw it there was a period of time from like 2013 14 which was right around the time i left cap and started playing professionally uh there was there was a period of time there when not only was there no active jazz club being booked by Corey Weeds, like he had closed the cellar and Frankie's oh, hadn't started yet. So there was, there was no Corey Weeds jazz club. There was no tangent. There was no tyrant uh, for several years after that. But all these kind of main places that you'd think of now, none of them were active. And, no. uh, and there were these little spots where we would play and the, 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 improv- the scene of improvisers still kind of had their spots. And that was, that was kind of a prevailing thing that our older friends in the cap scene we're really into but like 
there was a time when a bunch of venues kind of sunset and the other ones hadn't started coming up yet and that i didn't realize that like that was the time that i became an adult going into but it was and so it's been so cool like to see it to see it ride upwards Mm -hmm. um since then where like that was a look you look back and like that was a dip for sure and i can see that it was a dip now but i didn't know back then holy cow i can't imagine a world with no tangent cafe (laughs) don't want to live in it yeah (laughs) i turned 19 years old right around the time the tangent cafe became a thing so it's great timing for me and i spent i spent a few years really really hitting that place hard good food there great food there yeah world with no frankies oh yeah i mean frankies was like a when that started that was a big deal because the cory weeds cellar was in kits like close to where you went to high school right Mm -hmm. so you know i going out there it's a bit it was a bit of a trek um for a lot of us and uh, i still managed to get out there to see my favorite shows that i that i heard coming up but going to frankie's and getting that bigger space so much better location uh it and like not having to be the owner of the restaurant for Corey, like that was a yeah. huge huge deal when when that started absolutely yeah yeah that guy's also one of a, a driving force thank yeah. goodness for Corey weeds you know what i'm saying yeah it's my experience with with him was funny like i i became friends with him only over the past year i didn't know him really when i was younger and coming up and i think that's probably true of a lot of people like you see him everywhere and you don't really know him right Hmm. yeah i think he's always kind of like you know he's so busy and he's always doing shit i get it i at first when i was young when i was like a younger cat i was like who is that guy what's happening um and now that I'm like out of cap and I'm like going to shows again and it's not COVID-19 anymore, kind of, um, like I have a definitely a newfound appreciation for him and what he does for the scene. Um, and he's been incredibly supportive as well, like booking me for this. Um, at Frankie's. At yeah. Frankie's. And um, it's um, and to see the, you know, the joy he has in creating a music scene here you know with jazz at the bolt that is a f- insane amount of i can't even imagine the work that goes into an event like that like constant jazz for eight hours like um and to make sure everyone gets paid and to you know merge tables and organize like organizing it and volunteers like it takes so much and you know, he's put a lot into that, um, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah, it's um, we have so, we have some good good people in in this city doing good stuff. Yeah, I think the two of them know it, and that's why they they do the things that they do. But I think like Corey and Tim look better by each other being at each other's side, like because they're so different. I think they they complement each other well and you like appreciate so more too, things yeah. about one of them because the other one is also there and you can clearly see like how different they are. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. They're very, despite their online uh, feud, yeah. um, <laughs> they are very complimentary to each other. I think. Um, yeah. Cause I'll definitely, I'll talk, I'll message either. I'll message them both like most days, like most days I will, I will message with one or both of them and I, I, I the, the contrast is very clear in my mind, but I do appreciate them the more each for for being who they are. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because then you think like they're you know they're f- 
from around a similar age. I mean, Tim came from another part of BC originally in terms of like where he grew up and stuff. So it's not like they go way back, way, way back personally. But you think about like who who from our generation, and I really mean it in a broader way, like a, a generation of 18 to 20 years or so, like more than just these kind of little cohorts that when we're all younger, you feel like there's big differences, but then over time they kind of evaporate. Like it, who knows, right? Like who, who are going to be the people uh, in like 20 years time who have um, stuck around and, and built something like, like either of them have, right? Like it's going to be, we don't know who they are, but we, like we can't identify who the individuals are, but we know they're going to be people that we know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it takes so much organization, right? I feel like uh, someone who comes to mind for me, um, Casey Thomas Burns. Yeah. She is a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. She gets things done. Um, I can imagine her being in one of those uh, positions for sure in like 10, 15 years. Like, Absolutely. She yeah. is so organized. I love her. <laughs> Same, yeah. Talking about, yeah, and she worked on Jazz of the Bolt too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she did. So some people, they go and uh, and they're teachers and that's a huge role. And if you're a, a performing musician in our scene, a lot of them are teachers, whether that's lessons teachers or teaching in schools after you go and do the teacher program at UBC or something like that. And some people have non-music day jobs or non-local day jobs like i have a music day job but it's not a it's not a local Mm -hmm. one so there's there's that kind of thing and people people find their right way to participate and some people go to a different city right but like you're at an interesting point on that right now where you you got some space to to think about that a little bit like where are you at when you think about it today uh, on that question like what feels like the 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 role that that you're going to want to to play and if if you're staying here like and you're and you're dreaming up like what what you want there in terms of lifestyle and what you're doing like which which way you feel like that's gonna go when you look at it right now um i definitely don't think i'm gonna go into like any sort of full-time teaching thing i don't think that's my calling yeah me neither (laughs) um i respect the hell out of people who can do that for sure um I right now I actually technically am doing two and a, I say I say two and a half jobs to people. I'm a server. Yeah. I'm a breakfast server, and I'm uh, I teach privately. Technically, I, I teach at Horizon School of Music. Great. Um, yeah, Chris has known me since I was pretty young. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Small world, um, and they're fantastic. Um, I do that like two days a week, and then um, I try to fill up the rest of my time with gigs. Um. And gigs is the half part because it's like you know it come they come and go right mm-hmm. um i am hoping my dream is to be able to gig full-time that mm-hmm. is and that's this sounds like very like i don't know maybe kind of mushy but like when i was in high school like i've always been like a very um indecisive person um i don't like making huge decisions especially like it takes me a long time to make a big life decision uh when i was quitting jj bean oh my god it took me a year to do that i was like for a year every time my friends would be like did you quit jj bean yet i'm like no i don't know why i can't oh (laughs) (laughs) i can't leave um it takes me a while to make those big decisions um 
but there's one thing that I've like always been sure about and it's the fact that like I'm like I think I need to be able to perform full-time I think that's just something that I need to somehow make happen which I know sounds like you know whoever's listening to this is probably like oh classic but I'm just you know I (laughs) I don't know I think um it's something I feel very very passionate about and very strongly about um and I don't think of other things um (laughs) but that is that is kind of um and it's why I've started I've started picking up guitar um taking some lessons from a couple pals and I'm trying to do some solo gigs by the summer that's kind of oh cool yeah Okay, so what are you going to do there? Are you going to do cover songs? Are you going to do a little bit of jazz standards? What What are you going to do when you play solo accompanying yourself on guitar? I'm hoping to do like singer-songwriter, maybe some jazz standards if I can do it, but um, mostly like singer-songwriter covers yeah. and hopefully um, original music. Oh, so you are going to, uh, yeah, I was going to say, are you going to, do you, do you already write music that sounds like that or maybe you're going to or something? Yeah. Yeah, I write a little bit. I did perform like three originals at Jazz at the Bolt. I did, um... Uh, and a lot, uh, half of my, I feel like half of my rep ends up being just like poetry that I don't want to put to melody. So, um, there's, um, there's one I do called the first of lasts and it's about, um, this very specific moment of, um, it was after the final grad recital and we all went to my friend Colin's house at this like he had this bonfire in his backyard uh, and he knew he was moving out soon. So it would have been our last bonfire we could do that was legal. And um, we were doing this bonfire and my friend Julian, he's like sitting next to me and he's kind of silent. And I'm like, what's going on, Julian? What's going on? Um, and he looks at me and he goes, this is the first of last. This is the first of a bunch of last things I'm going to do in Vancouver before I before I move away this is the last time we'll be able to be in this group of people specifically in this location specifically we're not going to do this again in our lives um and then that just got me thinking about what other lasts are going to be here before I move away and everyone starts you know getting up and going somewhere or living their lives um and I thought that was an interesting sentiment. I liked how that sounded a lot. The first of lasts. Um, so I wrote this poem based off that for him. And then I ended up putting it to music. Um, and I think it ended up kind of cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of been the vibe of my um, my composition so far. I've been kind of like poetry to music. And yeah, there's some stuff. There's some stuff in the works, but nothing too crazy yet talk about performing full-time and that's an open-ended word that you know you could define what that means for yourself in terms Mm -hmm. of what does full-time mean are there specific people who are doing that right now who you look up to in particular whoa i mean there's definitely like instrumentalists that do uh chris fraser Winston Minkler, um, I think Dean, 
Dean does some church gigs, but he... Well, that's performing. That is performing, <laughs> you're right. Um, maybe they're local, maybe they're not. Those are all good local ones. It's true. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard finding... I'm try, it's hard to think of singers right now that are able to do that. Because the thing with the instrumentalist is that you can, you know, it, as long as you're open to genres, you could gig like a machine especially if you're like a bass player or like a, like yeah especially if you're a bass player that can do multiple genres i feel like you're in the money you know um and you're good at it and if you're good at it but um i'm trying to think of singer songwriters that aren't just like famous like straight famous <laughs> <laughs> um no one really comes to mind at the moment but I also haven't really been in the like the singer songwriter scene. Whoa, alliteration that <laughs> I, like here in Vancouver. Um, so I don't super have anyone that comes to mind. Is that a group of people who will have their own kind of venues and spots and certain personalities who are people where if you get to know them, then you'll meet a lot of other people? Are the is that is that like a, a community that you're wanting to step into more like? going into this summer and going into the coming years yeah absolutely i think so i think i definitely i love i love jazz but i also want to be a versatile musician and i don't want to be i don't want to be just a jazz singer i want to be a singer um but don't get me wrong i i freaking love love jazz music um but it is like, yeah, singer songwriter stuff. I definitely want to get it more into because there are so many like talented, talented artists here. Um, I've seen little glimpses of, but yeah. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, once, once you get into that scene too, you'll find that I'm sure you'll find that you're already well equipped in so many ways to, to be a part of it. Like, because you have, your technical background like as a singer and your understanding of harmony and mm -hmm. and songwriting etc like you have a lot of those tools and it's almost like it's just a matter of what's your version of getting into the car with ben or like showing up and playing with matt and colin like what's your version of that that you're going to be able to access in the right in the broader vancouver indie scene or something and like if you if you start poking into it enough times you'll have something like that and who knows where it'll take you right you can't mm -hmm. predict it now yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i'm excited there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns this this upcoming year you know so i'll like i don't know what what i will have done by this time next year i don't know um a couple of my friends are trying to convince me to move to montreal but there's a lot happening in vancouver right now i'm pretty i feel pretty grounded here um but who knows who knows what might happen yeah yeah i guess the last thing i wanted to ask you about for fun was because now we're talking about places and like i know you went on a trip to europe right is there anything any anything you want to relay from that how was oh that oh my gosh oh so good it was my first solo trip and i um gosh i just had the time of my life it was like just going into random restaurants and eating some of the best food i've ever had some of the best italian food i've ever had for so so cheap um and the gelato was insane actually had an opportunity 
uh, I found a jazz club in Florence and I went and then I saw there was an open mic um, and I saw, so I was supposed to meet up with Ben um, in what they call the Cinque Terre. It's like these five cities on the water. Um, we were both doing our separate solo trips and we would meet there. Um, and then I looked at his stories on Instagram and I was like, shit, he's jamming. And I was like, well, I can't just, oh. I don't want to just meet him and not have jammed. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I should be jamming. Like, because it wasn't supposed to be like a music trip. It was just a trip that I was doing. And so I went to this jazz club and I, I got up and I did this like at this funk jam, um, did a, did a pop tune and it was great. It was so much fun. Um, and did the same thing in Paris. I got up and I did a, they were also doing like a, some sort of funk jam and I, I got up there by myself cause Ben was sick by the time we were in Paris I just like went to this this random Parisian neighborhood and I met the nicest couple in the line who was like they were like around my age and they were like like yeah you should get up there like if you want I I can talk to the person like and we can make it happen but it was really cool actually in Paris it was especially cool because I noticed a lot more of a distinct community there um I had uh, there was like a older cat who came by and played some of the best funk bass i've ever heard live insane um <laughs> and he came up to me afterwards and he's like he's like come to my jam tomorrow and i was like well i'm leaving like tonight like i'm leaving like tomorrow morning um but they have jams in paris they have jams like three times like the the time we were there during weekdays they had like three different jams at like three different times like multi multiple jams and like um like jazz jams and funk jams and like it was so so cool and I was like I now I wish I'd spent longer in Paris we only did like two days in Paris um but it was really really cool to see a bit of community of like someone coming up to me and being like come to my jam tomorrow these guys will be there and um I had I met a couple instrumentalists there that were really cool as well um Thank goodness they spoke English because my French is not <laughs> that good. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, really, really cool to see. And a lot of people told me they're like, oh, Paris, you're going to get sick and tired of Paris because it's, um, you know, it's expensive and people there can be a little bit um, not as welcoming and to it's tourists. It's like, come on, bring it on. You know where I grew up, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and like like when I got there, like all the musicians that I met there were so kind and very welcoming. And I was like, well, now I want to stay for another week and go to all these jams. Like it, it sounds like the best time ever. Um, so I'll definitely be on the, on the list, uh, in the next few years going back to Paris and doing some more jams for sure. I like that story. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was lots of fun, and uh, I actually brought a group from my hostel. I was like, guys, it's ja it's like jazz though. It's like a jazz club. And they're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're it's trying like, to like lower their expectations well, or something. <laughs> well, I just feel like, like I said before, like I feel like jazz can be like not so um, accessible, right? And I was like, I have no idea what it might be, like. I hope you guys don't think it's boring or something. And we went there and I'm pretty, I think it was a Wayne Shorter tribute. And I was like, okay. 
cool. <laughs> <laughs> scary things with saxophones. Yeah, <laughs> scary things with saxophones. Once again, those saxophone players come to haunt me. Just kidding. I love saxophone players. Um, and um, they ended up loving it. Like the whole time they were like, this is the best thing ever. And I was like, this is sick because you are all random people that I have basically met tonight. Um, and you all think this is sick. So this is this is very cool. Um, and it was like, yeah, very intense instrumental jazz. Um, oh, wow. But it was it was a, quite a good show, um, I will say. Um, but yeah, I felt like uh, a little bit more. It was cool, though, because in um, in the jazz club in Florence, um, there was a lot of people who were on exchange that were there like a lot of students and they were just like oh yeah we're here like from america like on exchange and uh, everyone goes to this jazz club because it's super fun and i'm like that's so cool huh like and there's like lineups there's lineups outside of the jazz clubs i'm like what is this Can you imagine people coming to the hi vancouver hostel and like they all go to frankie's like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're all lining up outside going to frankie's like for the late show now right maybe you yeah. know it's possible I waited in line. I was like, Heard about what? That. That's yeah. crazy. For Chris Davis, who was also a great interviewer. You know, we didn't really hit on that. But like some people I've had, I was talking to a friend about this last night. Sometimes there's like people who you think are, are aloof or intimidating or like hard to get to know. And it's just so happens that I never got to talk to them. Like Chris Davis was the first Vancouver jazz trumpeter I ever heard. At the first time I ever went to Cellar, he was playing wow. with Corey on one of Corey's album releases that Chris played trumpet on the album. And I never got the chance to talk to him. I always thought he was super cool. And maybe because I thought he was super cool, like I, I never really talked to him. I didn't get to know him. But mm-hmm. then I, I interviewed him because I wanted to do an article about this show that you went to. And uh, he was great. He was great. He was really nice and open to talk to. And not that I didn't expect it, but I was just like, oh, it's really cool that this person has been here the whole time. And I just, I didn't have a chance to, to talk to them until now. Yeah, he seems like a really cool guy. And oh my gosh, what a beautiful show. That was, I love Two Trumpets all the time i love it <laughs> double take freddie hubbard woody shaw mm. um they opened with um they opened with bird like which was really cool um it's a freddie hubbard tune for all you listeners out there yeah. um and i i just remember like everyone I, everyone i talked to was just like what is that tune i know this tune what is this tune because no one ever really plays that tune um so that was really cool uh and then he ended with um He's like, oh, I'll just do a quick one. Um, and he did the most beautiful, beautiful rendition of um, Hallelujah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. And okay. He, he did it on his own. And then um, Adam Thomas, which, by the way, what a treat to hear Adam Thomas. I ne- oh, yeah. I haven't heard him since I was like in cap, maybe in second year or something. What a treat it is to hear that guy play the bass and to sing. What a wonderful, wonderful musician. And, of course, Joe Poole and Brad Turner. Fantastic all-star group. Um, but it was just, like, the most beautiful and tender version of Hallelujah that uh, Chris played. So beautiful. A great way to end the night. Um, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Like, a, such a wonderful, wonderful set. And both of them sat down, like, both him and Brad sat down at the piano at one point. Both of them played piano, and it was super sick. I was <laughs> I was shocked because I didn't know Chris Davis played piano. Um, and suddenly I'm like, wait, is that, wait, but Brad's playing. If Brad's playing, then wait. <laughs> well, when that piano's there, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, it was, 
it was a lot of fun. Great show. I'm glad I I'm glad I made it out. And for waited sure. in line if you if you had to. Yeah, waited yeah. in line a little bit. I didn't wait in line for that long. They they got us in. You know how sometimes there's an artist out there who you've heard their name so many times, but you feel a little guilty because you've never gone and actually checked out their music. Mm-hmm. I want to try something here. If this goes over like a lead balloon, we can delete it for okay. sure. But there's an artist like that who I've never checked out. And if you were willing, I would ask you to explain like I'm five and tell me about this artist and what what is going on there because I'm ignorant of it and I still have yet to listen to it. What do you think? Okay. Who is Madison Cunningham? Oh my gosh. Oh, what a joy. The question of the year, who is Madison Cunningham? Why did you post a picture of her as your promo for winner winner? First of all, I just thought it would be funny. Um, I just thought it'd be funny to post a little picture of her for people who did know her. Um, she's a singer songwriter um, who takes a lot, a lot of influence from um, Jeff Buckley um, speaking of hallelujah <laughs> <laughs> yeah speaking of um she is just um i i discovered her a couple years ago um she has this album called Ooh, that's okay i can't remember it off the top of my head but um she has this tune on it called pin it down which is like a really standout track for me um and she's just she has a unique voice a unique timbre to her voice which i really think is really cool and some people you know flip on and off like some people they listen to it it's one of those voices you either love it or you hate it um i think not a ton of people that i've talked to hate it but a couple people are like i can't get around it i'm like respect um but she's just like a very talented singer songwriter that i am obsessed with just the way she writes um she recently released this album called Revealer, and I think, I think most of it is dedicated to her grandma who had just passed away. Um, and she has a song called Life According to Rachel, and it's basically like a song to her grandmother, and it is so powerful and so one of the most like soul bearing lyrics, like like songs with like and these lyrics together like so personal and so just like uh, me and Ben were talking about this the other day like I don't think I could cover that song it is so personal to her yeah, and it's so um yeah like clearly so special about her grandmother and it's a beautiful beautiful tune um life according to Rachel very beautiful but yeah I think she's a I think she's just a very talented writer i went to see her show um back in october right before i went to italy and um it was a fan like and she's just as good live which i mm, like even almost even better live like so so good and um yeah i just i love her sound i don't know what it is i'm i'm obsessed she's just so good i would definitely recommend if you if you listen to her, you should start with Revealer, I think. It's a fantastic album. Um Yeah. And okay. she's really cool. I met her and she was so nice. <laughs> well, hence the photo, right? Yeah, true. 
Yeah. What did you say to her? Um. <laughs> so when she was okay. Sorry, anyone who's at that show, but um, who's listening to this? But the crowd was very like a listening crowd and i really wanted to dance because <laughs> some oh. of her songs are very like i think a lot of her songs are very groovy and very fun and like when i'm at a concert i want to dance so me and my friend were like dancing in the corner and having the time of our lives um and then she's like and she gets called out to do a uh an encore yes an encore um and it's like dead silent in the room. And usually people are like, you know, like cheering and they're like, oh, do this song, do this song. And it's dead silent. Like when? She, like after she comes back from the curtain call or like Yeah, what? after she okay. came out and she's like thinking about an encore song. Oh. Um, And then in the silence, I just go, it'd be pretty cool if you did. Um, <laughs> Oh my gosh. What song did I ask her to do? I did like a song from her older album. I was like, hey, it'd be pretty cool if you did this song. And then she immediately went into it. Um, and then I talked to her afterwards. I was like, that was me that spoke into the silence. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, oh, it's like you, you read my mind. I was, that was exactly the song I was thinking about doing. Um, and I was like, that's so cool. And I, I just basically, I told her, I was like, when I listen to your music, it makes me want to write music. And she said, that is the nicest compliment you can give a musician. Um, she was like, that is that is the like one of the nicest things anyone's ever said like um but it's true like i love listening to music that makes me like want to immediately go home and <laughs> write not because i don't want to listen to it but because i want to i want to write because it's so inspiring um and that's i think some of madison's music for me for sure wow well, I, I'm looking forward to uh, not having ever actually listened to it before to going and, and listen to, <laughs> listening to it now. Hey, you know what? There's so much music out there. There are so many I artists you could that. say that about. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes there's artists you don't get to and then it's so it's so magic when you finally do. Yeah. I think that's a really lovely place to end it. I had such a fun time. Thank you for for coming on the show and for chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. I had an uh I had a great time. I was like, oh, what am I going to talk about? I have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll talk the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you liked it, I would encourage you to hop over to Pacific Sound Radio in your podcast app. This is another podcast that I'm co-producing with my friend James Olson. It is about the indie scene in Vancouver and all the genres that you might roll into that. It's the longest running independent music interview podcast in Vancouver. It's awesome to be a part of it. Find Pacific Sound Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks and I'll catch you next time.